Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a praise this morning. Let's welcome the church in Canada into our midst today. We welcome them among us. And may welcome the Holy Spirit in our service today. Amen. God bless you. We're glad that you're here. You can be seated. Jody, good to see you this morning. Missed you for a while. And each and every one of you. Enjoyed the song service this morning. Feel the Holy Spirit is here. I promise I will not preach on anybody that is present today, only about you. Amen. Amen. We enjoyed the service last week. It's a little odd. I kept being checked on it, but it fit in just right into our series. And we're looking at the Word made flesh. The Word made flesh. What a promise in this hour. I noticed that, what is this, uh, this hip singer, this rock and roll Conway West, is that a name? Conway West. He's got turned on to Jesus. Which that's all right. I'm not against that. But he had this rap concert, which he makes the album Jesus is King, which is number one now. Praise God. And he had thousands of converts to Jesus in that, um, I don't know what they call it, a rock jam, what do they call it, rapping, whatever they're going on. I thought about inviting him to come to preach to us. Maybe we have a thousand to come to Jesus, you know. But as we said last week, it is not believing in Jesus. That's the gospel of this hour. In modern churches, we preach many times and over and over due to the modern times, politics and what. We preach a gospel that is not the gospel of the New Testament. The gospel of Jesus Christ is simply pertaining to a kingdom. That he was prophesied in the Old Testament to be king over. And we believe that he was that promised one. So it's not believing in Jesus. It's not even believing on Jesus for salvation. It's believing the gospel that Jesus preached. He gave his disciples the great commission in Mark 16. Which we've preached on many times. Which is actually called a Pentecostal um, text. Preach the gospel to every creature, but we skip all of that. He that believeth and the baptized shall be saved, he that believeth not shall be damned. But we preach on these signs shall follow those that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. Now that's where we spend our time. We try to cast out devils without preaching the gospel of the kingdom. What is the gospel of the kingdom? Jesus' gospel was God is here. And the kingdom of God is spirit and the kingdom of God is now in you. Amen. So I look in the message, how can I overcome? And we're looking at overcomers because we have something to overcome. And I do not believe that we have actually passed our test yet to overcome. It is yet sitting in front of us now. We've passed many tests. We can say, well, I overcome cigarettes. I overcome this. I overcome that. I overcome drugs. I overcome. I overcome. But there's still a test that we have to overcome and it will pertain to the gospel of the kingdom with the message that he, God himself, is here. So the gospel is to be preached to every creature. He that believeth the gospel, which will actually be today for the Gentiles, which is finishing up the mystery, will be the finishing part of the mystery of the kingdom pertaining to the rapture. 
We'll get to this in a few minutes pertaining to the Gentiles. But Jesus preached and he taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The central theme of the four Gospels, which are the four guards to the book of Acts, which represents the four beasts of Revelation, which we'll get into, all absolutely are guards to the gospel of the kingdom or the entrance therein. And Acts 2.38 was the key to unlock the door into the kingdom for the Gentiles. The kingdom is promised to the Jews. We had no promise, no covenant of a coming kingdom. Our only hope was that we would make it and be ruled by the Jewish nation. They still believe that they are the head and not the tail. And that they will one day, the Messiah will come. They will absolutely set up his kingdom and they will be rulers. But there's a mystery unfolded that basically he takes the kingdom from them and gives it to a group of Gentiles that will believe the gospel. And the main theme of that gospel was that he was the Lord of the Old Testament. The Lord said unto my Lord. And that he was the anointed Christ, the Messiah that was promised to come. And he couldn't get the Jewish nation to listen. Therefore, they could not understand. You can read the parables. We preach, lest they hear and understand, be a part of the kingdom. So we preached in parables that they could not understand, lest they understood and would be saved or part of the kingdom. We find out there was a mystery pertaining to a Gentile bride, a believer. And that by predestination, we would have something within us to be able to hear the gospel of the kingdom. Now, Jesus left the prayer, teach us to pray. He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, or as God's will is done in heaven. That is the primary focus. That is the primary desire and purpose of a believer is looking forward to that kingdom, a thousand year reign with Christ where peace and prosperity will reign upon the earth, and Jesus will be king over kings. He will be king. He will build a God a temple. And there will be a worship. There will not be an animal sacrifice, but there will be a worship. And I have my idea about it, basically. As I said before, I don't know whether you and I will ever be able to actually allow to see or enter in the presence of Jesus during the millennium. We will have representatives. You've got seven church age messengers, which absolutely represents the believers for that age. And the prophet said, if you're a prophet here, you'd be a prophet there. If you're a pastor here, you'd be a pastor there. You don't change roles. You only change bodies. So we're only going to change dimension and bodies into another realm. We know, according to the Gospels, that Jesus come on the scene and he preached the gospel of the kingdom. In other words, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and receive the gospel of the kingdom of God. That was his focus. That was his means of salvation. Jesus never preached, if you'll quit cutting this, your hair, or quit dress a certain way, or quit this and do this and do that, you'll be saved. He preached, if you believe that I am the Messiah... And I'm the promised one, and identify with me in water baptism, my death, burial, and resurrection. 
you will be a part of my kingdom. And you will have a position in that kingdom according to the age and according to your purpose in this life. Jesus has actually said in the New Testament now, if you'll read that the New Testament bears witness that he was the Messiah. And Peter, as we said last week, said that this same Jesus whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. Now we know that he was the Christ, the anointed one, because he was promised to be anointed one at his birth. This is the anointed one that takes away the sin of the world. He was made Lord after Mount Transfiguration, after his crucifixion. He was made Lord over the earth or over God's inheritance, which actually made him then now both Lord. Jesus was his earthly name, Christ the Messiah, which is Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord said unto the Lord Jesus Christ, Set thee on my throne until I go and make all of your enemies thy footstool. So this is what we see taking place. Now we find also in Luke, I give you two, uh, three scriptures, that Jesus was to be heir to David's throne. In 2 Samuel 7, 1 Chronicles 17, both of them refer to Jesus, uh, his seed being given a throne and the kingdom lasting forever and ever. We could take time to go back to Daniel and show the kingdoms represented and how they fell, Roman kingdom, all those kingdoms, and come down to the feet of gold in this hour. But then there was a kingdom that was to come, a stone cut out of a mountain, which is Christ. He said, I was a stone, and his kingdom would last forever and ever and ever. But we'll find in our scriptures that one day it comes to what we call an end, not ceasing, but he hands everything back over to the Father in the eighth day in New Jerusalem when all things is committed back to him that God may be all and in all. So we're looking at this plan unfolding. Now, a lot of things we do not understand are how we progress into the millennium, whether some will go in there mortal and repopulate and all these things, but it speaks of nations, kingdoms, kings, leaders, rulers, and government that have to consist of people in one form or the other. But it says in uh, Luke 1, 32 and 33, I put in your scripture, pertaining to Jesus, he said, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Conception in the womb had to come by a creative act, where God created in the womb both male and female uh, cells to form this new creation called Jesus, the only begotten Son of God. Unique one. Only begotten. He's the only man, mortal, that come in this unique way. He had to come and bypass the sexual act to be able to overcome the original sin in the garden, which was the sexual act. So he had to bypass sin to be able to shed his blood to forgive us of that sin. And then through faith in him, we can be a part of his kingdom. Then we find out that the world is divided into two seeds. If you go down to the parables of Jesus in actually uh, Matthew chapter 13, where he divides the kingdom into tares and whatever more, he plainly tells you that the seed that he sows is the children of God or the seed of God, and the tares are the seed of the serpent or 
seed of Satan, the wicked one. They grow together until the end. Now then we are at harvest time where God absolutely is here calling out his own, calling them by name as individuals. We are absolutely looking at, he watch, uh, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and, his name, and, and shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Which is Psalms 110.1. I keep referring back to that because without that scripture you will not understand what is going on today. We look at the message of the day and you say, well, you're not preaching about Brother Branham. You're not preaching about this. You're not preaching about that. We're preaching on our part of the kingdom plan. The seventh angel and we in Laodicea only makes up a part of the gospel of the kingdom. And he understands that. We're only making up a part of the sevenfold revelation of Jesus Christ. It was divided into seven ages. Therefore, you had seven parts. Each part had a message with a promise, and we'll get to it in a few minutes. We are the seventh, but in the seventh, you get the accumulation of all seven promises to come down to the end time group where the great promise of you and I is if we overcome. And that's what we're going to talk about. If we overcome our test of Laodicea, we will be granted to sit on the throne with him, either on his right or left, which is preserved and predestinated to the end time believers of which we are a part of. We look at it, no other time and no other group could come there except us. Verse 33, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. So the central theme of the Gospels, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Gospel of the disciples, the Gospel of Paul, the Gospel of William Branham, pertains to the kingdom of God. The end time Gospel of the kingdom is the king is here now. You say, well, that's what Jesus preached. Exactly, because Alpha and Omega is one and the same. He come as the eagle. He will end up as the eagle. God come in the God prophet, the eagle. He will end up in the eagle age, eagle spirit, through a prophet, bringing his children as little eagles to an end called the rapture. So we're absolutely under the four beasts, and that beast today is the eagle time, or we're under the four seal. The seven church ages were divided by four beasts. I think we went through them. One was the lion. The second was the calf or the sacrificial age. Then you went through the face of the man, Luther, Wesley, reformers, all the way down to Pentecost. Then you had the restoration of the gifts and then we find out that we shift from the man age to the Holy Spirit that ushers in the eagle manifestation of the Holy Spirit himself. So we are now under the fourth beast called the eagle time. And now we're under the fourth seal where the pale horse rider goes forth to bring death to a part of the earth. In other words, we're under the highest order of eagles with the darkest hour of destruction, deception, 
uh, and wickedness that has struck the earth. So we got the greatest test with the greatest reward. And do not to be a downer this morning, but very few people will overcome the test of this hour. There is a squeeze to come. Right before the opening of the sixth seal, the squeeze will come down to where if you are uh, not convinced and know by revelation that you are a part of the rapture and that you have overcome by the word of this hour and you've been a set apart as a predestinated seed, you will think that you missed the rapture because the squeeze is going to squeeze us down to where you have nothing else outside of your faith holding you. We had not seen times as coming up on this end time bride. But remember, through the greatest test comes the greatest reward. So the Messiah was the promised seed of, the, of Abraham to one to whom the covenant and the promises was made. That's in Galatians 3.16. And as the recipient of the kingdom of God. We're going through the background now to refresh your mind. That the modern gospel of believing in Jesus with mixture politics, stories, and allegories is not, does not have any saving grace or power in it. The only saving grace where blood will absolutely bring conviction and deliverance to you is in the gospel of the eagle time, recognizing your day and its message, seeing that that word not fulfilled or manifested in flesh and you look in the mirror and say, that's me. In other words, every word must be manifested in human beings. You and I are acting out the word of God, this great drama. We are at the seventh age. We're at the final act. The curtain is closing. The curtain is dropping on the drama. And we're fixing to take a bow because it is over. The drama is over. We're fixing to move into the sixth seal now, which is the great tribulation or the wrath of the Lamb or the wrath of God, called, they're both called either way, but they extended two periods. The wrath of the Lamb or the second coming of Jesus, where Jesus comes back with his bride, which we believe it'd be you and I, that have been translated out by the, with the resurrected saints by God himself. Bringing everything under him and presenting us to Jesus, the king, the bridegroom at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So we believe that God himself, the Holy Spirit, which is the word, is here among us to help us overcome the test if we will listen. There's the key right there. Jesus recognized that his life and purpose was to announce the good news about the kingdom in Luke 4, 43. Therefore, he seen himself as the sower, sowing the word or the message of the gospel of the kingdom in Matthew 13, 19, which all the parables of the sower is in that chapter. Those who would listen, I want to bring this point out because when you come down to our age, and we'll get to it in a few minutes, we find out that our age now is the only church age, Laodicea, is the only age where God was in His church by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, put out of His church when the Word was manifested in flesh, and now then He is outside of His church with the picture of Him knocking on the door 
trying to get back into his church. Now, he that overcometh, that's individuals in the church, that has enough strength, or I'll call it inertia. In other words, there's something in an individual that all you have to do to be a part of the kingdom of God and have eternal life and live and reign with Him is simply reach out your hand and open the door. What is in the minds or upon the multitudes of the church world, multitudes of the nations, especially America called the Christian church, called the church, what spirit is upon us now that we don't even have enough fortitude to open a door to the supernatural Word of God for it to help us overcome and give us an escape to the judgments that is up on the land. The reason why they do not overcome is that they would not listen. Go back and look at it again. Jesus come preaching. They would not listen. Paul come and preached the gospel and explained to them who Jesus was. The people would not listen. The days of Luther, he'd come to call out a people out of the church to proclamation. The people would not listen. Wesley come preaching sanctification for the new birth of the church to clean up the church to be put in use again. The people would not listen. He come in the day of Pentecost to fill the vessel that he cleaned up to use the church. And now then the people, when he come to give them the doctrine to correct and give them the power to overcome with, would not listen to the Holy Spirit to overcome. He that hath an ear, let him listen. He must listen to be able to understand. There will not be anything hard to grasp except you must give preeminence in the mind. The first part of repentance is the change of the mind. Why cannot people change their mind? Because by nature, being a seed, you have a nature. That nature is called your soul. If that soul comes from God, it has a nature on it that has the ability to listen. It has the desire to open up its mind and heart to listen to the Word of God, knowing by the Word of God that the Holy Spirit will never deceive anyone. The true elected children of God, according to the Bible predestinated before the foundation of the world, it is impossible to deceive the very elected And the spirit in this age will be so close that it would deceive the elected if it was possible. But it's impossible to deceive the very elect. So the Holy Spirit in the form of the church will be so close to the true gospel that people will flock to the churches. The absolute symbolic image of the invisible one. They'll move there worshiping the image or the appearance. Just like the message people worship the man. They come to the appearance and don't hear the voice. 
They come to the tombstones where the Holy Spirit was. Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, whatever the tombstone is, that's where the Holy Ghost was through the ages, but he left. There's no life there. Now he says, come out of the systems, come out of denominationalism, come out into the presence of God the Word, be ye separate. He that hath an ear, I speak to my people, come out of her, my people, and be a part of my kingdom and receive my reward, and I am here to grant it to you. Amen. Amen. So that's what we're looking at. So those who would listen and understand his message, they became candidates to be an office or a royal office. We call a part. They will have an office. They will have a role in the coming kingdom. And the issue of salvation, the church is preaching, are you saved? Receive Jesus Christ and be saved. I watch TV. They preach a sermon. Take up an offering, sell five books. Now, if you believe Jesus Christ, you've got eternal life, go to some church. If that was that simple, the devil would believe and not, and not perish. It is not that simple. Like I said, you can believe on Jesus and go straight to hell. You can be in church all the days of your life and not make it. You can have the baptism of the Holy Ghost and not make it. You've got to overcome a test, and that test is the Word of God and a revelation of that hour. So the issue of salvation and our destiny actually hinges on our purpose or our response to the gospel of the kingdom as Jesus preached it. Now, how did Jesus preach it? God came and incarnated himself in the man. We went through that Sunday in the water. This is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased to dwell. Jesus immediately come forth and said, the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God was the Holy Spirit in that tabernacle, Jesus, Making Jesus now the kingdom or the domain of which God is king over or has preeminence over. So God come and took preeminence over his kingdom, which was the body or the man Jesus. He took total preeminence, showing us his purpose in his Gentile church that through seven ages he would build, build, build. And at the end time, he would come to this final group of people, you and I. And through a revelation of the rapture and his presence, he would take total preeminence in us. Now, that's not law. That's not the total preeminence would be the revelation of his purpose now fulfilled. His purpose now for the Gentile, getting her ready for the rapture, now fulfilled with the understanding that he's here Himself now to do it as he promised 2,000 years ago, the eagle himself. As we said last week, Brother Branham was a prophet. We say prophet is eagles, but William Branham is not the eagle representing that beast. He is Revelation 10 7, a prophet to be a voice to the eagle. God himself is the eagle that he's over now. So we're looking at the manifestation of God himself under a period of time. The reason why people get so confused and now they don't know where they're going or what's going on is because they all base it on Revelation 10, 7, the messenger. And since he left, you got 50 years here now without a prophet. They're all waiting on him to come back because they don't understand without this eagle, we can't do nothing. And I remember back in the late 70s and early 80s, I come in, and all the men were eagle belt buckles, and it was eagles, 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 eagles. Yeah. Now you don't see too many belt buckles, and you don't see too many eagles. 
Why? Because their theory run out. Well, Brother Brown's going to come back this year. Then he's going to come back this year. He's going to come back. No, the eagle is God himself. Well, Brother Brown said, I'll ride this trail again. He spoke in the first person. The Holy Spirit will ride this trail again. Not only is he riding the trail again, bringing you a revelation, but he'll ride this trail again in the two prophets, Moses and Elijah. He will preach to them exactly the same thing that this prophet preached to us by the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. The two prophets will end up the eagle hour and usher in basically the millennial reign or the kingdom of God. That's how close we are. We're right on the verge of the opening of the sixth seal, which is absolutely the tribulation period of time that you and I do not want to be a part of. So no matter how much uh, we want to be a part of the world, how much we enjoy doing the things of the world, and how much the anointing of Satan impersonating the church has us anointed, Satan is the god of this evil age. We have a spirit controlling America and will take over, and that spirit is of the devil. If you'll notice the politics behind it is communism. What's behind communism? Catholicism. It's all the same mixture of these demonic powers rising up, rising up, rising up. And death follows, and they will conquer a fourth of the world and kill them off in one more. And that is what's going on now. Wars and rumors of wars, diseases, and everything else. Look, church, we say, oh, we're having a good time in America. We're killing more people in America by drugs that we lose in all the wars put together. What was it? 170,000 people died of overdose last year in America alone? There's a war on America, and Satan is behind it, and the church is not doing anything about it because they don't have any power because they're preaching the gospel of yesterday. We have a gospel of today. The name of the Lord is a mighty tower, and the righteous run therein and are safe. You say, Brother Green, you make the gospel so simple. I've got to believe that Jesus is the anointed one? Yes. The church out there, you've got to believe that he's the second person of God. It is God. He is not God. He's the only begotten Son of God sent to deliver you out of darkness. Hallelujah. And by him being a man, forfeiting his mortal, and basically in dying in sin, took our sin upon him, he was raised for our justification. Do you understand that your destiny was sealed 2,000 years ago? When Jesus basically was quickened in the grave, his soul come out of there and took up a body, now being immortal, and rose to the right hand of the Father. Everything was accomplished 2,000 years ago, absolutely fulfilled through the ages, and now being revealed what God has already done. You say, well, this hasn't happened. This hasn't. It's already happened. But it is now being revealed to you what has happened. There's some things that's yet to come. There's a sixth seal yet to come. There's a millennium yet to come. But there's a lot of things that's over. Six church ages is over. Seven church ages is over. First Thessalonians 4, 16, a third of it's over. Revelation 10, 1 to 7 is over. It's all down here now to the resurrection and the rapture. And you and I giving preeminence to the gospel of the kingdom of God. Lord Jesus, come quickly. Come quickly. What do you mean come quick? Bring your kingdom. Bring your power here and keep your promise to take us out of this disaster. Keep us from the wrath of the Lamb. 
Because now when Jesus takes the throne of the Father, and we're going to look at when he done that, now then he will reign until all things are put under his feet, which goes over to the eighth day. Now, a part of the gospel of the kingdom, if you'll remember, pertains to this hour. Brother Bram said all four, all the gospels, parables, was basically preached in a parable. But was actually preached for this last age, making the four Gospels and the New Testament closed up, sealed up. People could not understand it. They read a portion of it. They got a little bit of it. They got a glimpse here and there. But they didn't understand it until this last hour when the book of the New Testament is opened. Open to what? Open to our understanding. Having the spirit of wisdom and revelation now here. As God sent Gabriel to Daniel to see the book and told him to close it up, the Holy Spirit comes in this hour as a spirit of wisdom revelation to give our eyes of understanding open that we may know what is the hope of our calling. And our calling is to a position in the kingdom of God. What position do you want in the kingdom of God? Well, I just want a little come on. Want... No, no. I got a promise in this hour that if I overcome, I'll be granted to sit with my father right down beside of Jesus. And that is a predestinated group of people that overcomes a test that no other age could overcome. We overcome deception. We overcome the Antichrist, the deceiving spirit. We overcome denominationalism. We overcome what started this whole mess. Hallelujah. It started out with three gods in the beginning, Trinity and whatever more. It, it basically, that spirit of iniquity wrote all through the seven church ages. But when the seals opened, we understood that that white horse rider was the Antichrist spirit that went out. Rides on and on until everything is blended together. And the last horse rider is a pale horse. And in, he is death. It's all mixed together in there. Death, every form of religion. But anything off of the word of God is death. What started death in the Garden of Eden? One word off. You say, you mean I got to be perfect? I got to be, I got to know the Bible, every word. Every word in the Bible, there's something in you that will say amen to it. Especially that word, which is you. You and I are part of this Bible. We are in here. You say, well, I recognize Brother Branham was Elijah's spirit. Brother Branham, that's his scripture. You got your scripture. I find myself over there. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said to the seventh angel. I recognize I was the one that had an ear. I recognize my angel. I recognize his messenger. I recognize the lukewarm condition. And I come out of it. I come out of it. And you've come out of it. We've all been come out of it. We've been set apart. Separated for a purpose and a reason. To prepare us. To teach us. Train us in the Word of God. For the test, we have a test. We don't like to talk about suffering and what are more, but we have a measure of suffering to come, and it will be a great measure with a great reward to follow. Now watch. So we're that group in Ephesians 1 that was promised the eyes have or the spirit of wisdom revelation to open our eyes that we can understand. We're that group that applied the eyes have in this hour that we could see. In other words, we had to apply the eyes have to even find the doorknob to, oh, to open up to the Word of God that was outside the church trying to get back in. 
as long as you stay in the church, hear their dogma. Most of it is wonderful. You say they're good people. I don't deny that. They're outstanding people. And many times they outshine us 10 to 1. They give more. They build more. They plant more. They missionary. They preach more. They build high. They do all those good works. But that's not what God is looking for. He's looking for a person that will let his word be Lord in his life. And that doesn't mean crawling around this poor holiness. You know, we dress like Mormons and everything. I don't mean that. I'm talking about you have a revelation that God's word is preeminent because that word is you. You're only looking at yourself in the mirror of God's word. You are the Christ. You are the anointed ones. You are the Messiahs. We are the overcomers. We are those that are going to sit and rule and reign. We understand the doctrine. We will judge in righteousness. We will sit there as kings with him. And judge angels in the uh, great uh, judgment, white throne judgment. So when Jesus preached in Matthew 24, 1 to 3. Let's go back and read that. I didn't put it down. In most, as some of you may not uh, remember it by memory. But here is one of those controversial little statements again. Seems like everything pertaining to the end time is controversial. Jesus in Matthew 24, we've been through it time and time again. And he said he went out and he parted the temple and the disciples came to him for to show him the building of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. That was accomplished in A.D. 70. That scripture is fulfilled. It's past tense. A.D. 70, they tore the temple down. Watch. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? In other words, where there won't be one stone left on another. And what shall be the sign of thy coming? And here you go again. That word coming is perusia, which means your literal presence. What is the sign that you will be literally here? And if he's going to be literally here, he must be here as a king. When are you going to be here as king to rule and reign? What is the sign of your perusia, your presence? You see why the presence is so resisted. We're preaching that the presence of God is here fulfilling the scripture. The Lord said unto my Lord, you sit down upon my throne... And we're going to look how long he reigns. Jesus is set on the Father's throne right now in a glorified form. His Father is down here fulfilling the promise that you sit here until I put all enemies under your feet. I'm going to go down and slay nations. I'm going to keep my promise. And I'm going to give you a kingdom that will last forever and ever to fulfill my promise that you are the seed of David. And your throne will reign here on earth as our Joseph. And you'll reign for a thousand years. And I'll put everything under your feet. Amen. Amen. I want to be a part of it. Because that's the New Testament gospel. You say, well, what about Jesus? We believe he is the Messiah. He is Lord. And he's got a kingdom. We're at the age when that kingdom is now in view. We can see it. We can, we can see it here. It, it's only a few years down the road. It is here now. 
already been manifested that the king or the eagle is here to bring it to pass. What do you think this last uh, age of revival was all about? When God stood at the church door in the form of a little Kentucky hillbilly, calling for him to come out, and he said, If I'm not a prophet, is this not thus saith the Lord? Then I'm a false prophet. Raise the dead, cast out devils, blinded eyes open. And the church world said, No, we don't want to hear that. That's against our doctrine. You're a oneness, brother man. We believe in three gods. We baptize in titles. We're against that. And the church shut the door and kept the word outside. So what did God do? He indicted this generation. I indict this generation, Matthew 24, for the second crucifixion of Jesus Christ. I indict this generation of clergy, not the people, the clergy. For what? Keeping the Word of God outside of the church realm so the people cannot hear the true gospel to believe and be saved. If the people hear the true gospel being predestinated, they will hear and accept and confess and be saved. What do you mean be saved, Brother Gray? To be preserved with the promise of eternal life and have a part in the kingdom of God. People say, well, I don't know whether I'm saved. Well, what are you looking at? If I looked at what I'm, I shouldn't be getting any older, I shouldn't ever have no problems. That's not saved. Saved means I got faith that this word of God is true. God raised this man, Jesus of Nazareth, from the grave. Hallelujah. And people seen him. They felt him. He proved that he was alive. And in this hour, he kept his word. He come down in this hour. He done the same works that he done 2,000 years ago, proving that he's alive, that he's among us. And he preached the revelation of the Son of Man in Luke 17, 30 in this hour to prove the gospel that Jesus preached 2,000 years ago. Amen. So when Jesus preached in Matthew 24, 1 to 3, in response to a question pertaining to the end of the world, when the time of the perusia or the coming uh, would be, his answer was that no man, nor the angels, nor the Son himself, but only the Father would know when that hour come. He said, I don't know. The angels of heaven don't know. Not even the created ones or the seven church age messengers, either one. They didn't know. But only the Father would know. <laughs> only the Father would know when the time would come, when the manifestation or the revelation of what he'd done would take place. He comes out with the open book, praise be to God, to now reveal to us, not fulfill or open to us, but to reveal to us. The Antichrist writer went for 2,000 years ago. We didn't know nothing about it. Now it's revealed what that white horse was. The second horse went forth. Now it's revealed to it what it was. People say, oh, the seven seals, the seven The seven seals was the mystery of iniquity. How Satan come into the church of God by misquoting the word, misinterpreting the word, bringing in a trinity doctrine and a false baptism for salvation. God winked at their ignorance now for 2,000 years. And their blood was on the mercy seat. All this time making intercession for the people's ignorance because they didn't have a Bible. They didn't, couldn't read it. 
They only had the priests. They only had the church system. Tell them what it said. Tell them what it said. And the people followed and believed it sincerely. God accepted their sincerity, winked at their ignorance, the Bible said. But there comes a time when he will not wink at ignorance no more. If he will not wink at ignorance no more, he has to bring you the open, bare, naked truth of what the Word says. He can't judge you for what you haven't heard and don't know. Come on now. He will judge you according to what you heard, accepted, or rejected. But he promised every predestinated seed. Somebody say, that's me. He promised every predestinated seed that the gospel light would contact your soul, come in response, and you would respond to the light. Every name on the book I will call, every, book, every name on the book will respond, and I'll save every name in the book is mine. You are predestinated to hear the gospel of the kingdom and believe it. Now then, recognize who you are as the sons and daughters of Almighty God, the anointed ones. Watch. So it comes now with a promise. Only the Father knows. Well, how are we going to know? The Bible said, I'll send you the spirit of Elijah. Malachi 4. Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, which is basically the resurrection rapture, bringing in the sixth seal of wrath. Before that dreadful day comes, I will come down, I'll send you Elijah. He will restore all the loose ends, all the misinterpretation, all the doctrines that was out of place that was brought down through the church ages, restored by Luther, Wesley, a little bit, a little bit. But at the end, the complete revelation of Jesus Christ, the sevenfold promises of the tree of life, the white raiment, the hidden manna, a new name, Sit with me in my throne. All those promises would accumulate. And you and I are the predestinated heirs to the sevenfold revelation of Jesus Christ to sit down on the throne with him side by side. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All the disciples wanted opposition. They wanted all through the ages. But it's predestinated for us. In this dark age, uneducated as we are, no scholars, but we have a heart that was ordained by God to hear the gospel of the kingdom, and we are a part of it. We look so odd to the world that they will not say you're one. We look like the least there is to be a part of it, but we're still a part of it. Now, why don't the world and the young people get on the bandwagon of truth? You want something to protest? Get on the bandwagon of truth. Get the Bible and read it and start Standing up for Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God. You want to stand on the street corner and wave signs about everything else? Oh, the clean air, we're going to destroy us in 12 years. Well, I'll put it like this. There'll be three and a half years that you think you won't survive, but I've got a thousand years I'm going to sit and reign and live. So I know that there's a thousand years, 1,260 days left. I know that before we basically renovate it and start all over again. So the earth is not coming to an end. He's just going to change who's on it. So now then we're looking at what? Christ brings the restoration or the revelation of the kingdom of God. He brings this message of the kingdom back to our midst. And the, what did that message was? He is here. My ministry has declared to you that he is here. Many people get so tied up that God sent a prophet. Then they watch TV when everybody on there claims to be a prophet. There's more prophets on television now than there are stations. 
One right after another, one right after another. I'm a prophet this, I'm a prophet this, I'm a prophet that, I'm a prophet this, this. Everybody's a prophet. Everybody's got a different book that disagrees with the other book. But they all got one thing in common. Give me your money, I'll take your money, vote me in, and I'll take more of your money. So there's a spirit in there I call democratic spirit, which is a spirit of hell, really. How can, some, how can, how can you be sane... When someone stands up and says, give me your money, give me your money so you can vote me in and I can take all your money. That's what they're running on. And you've got thousands and thousands of college idiots saying, here's my money, here's my 10, here's my 10. What are you going to give me? What are you gonna, oh, I'm going to give you anything you want when you get, vote me in. I was listening to this little guy from Indiana up there, Mayor Whatamore. He said, I decided I'm going to give free education, free college. I thought, man, that's good. I'm 80 years old, but I'll go back to college if it's free. I'll cause more trouble in college than I will behind the pulpit because I'm going to take Bible courses. Can't you see see me sitting under Professor so-and-so, him him teaching me this and me disagreeing? I, I won't last five minutes probably in the class. Because to finish the class, you've got to tell them what they want to hear. To get a grade, you've got to put down, I believe I'm an infidel. I believe this. I believe that. Oh, yeah, you're infidel like me. I'll pass you. If, you're not, if, if you don't understand how the devil is working, then something's spiritually wrong with you. We're blind. Satan is in charge of this thing. But praise be to God, hopefully we can shake ourselves because we're eagles. Remember this. Is, I preached open time one time for the eagle. What does the eagle do? He sits around and he, he's like an eagle, but then he begins to eat rabbits that's already dead on the ground. He gets like, a, like anything else. But then he gets where he gets his eyes, gets calloused, his head gets all calloused over. Remember that? And what does he do? He goes up and he gets on a rock and he begins to hit his head on the rock. Boom, boom, boom. He begins to bang his head on the rock, bang his head on the rock. Oh, that eagle's got more sense than anybody I know. He begins to bang his head on rock until all them scabs and all that calluses begins to be tore off. And all of a sudden he's got a bloody blood everywhere. Praise be to God. But now then he's got the scales off his eyes and he's been renewed and he mounts up on the ends of the wiggle. Praise, wiggle, I said, eagle, praise God. And when you get 79, wiggle means eagle. Come on, stay with me now. Get the moral of the story. Don't pinpeck me or henpeck me or pick me. Get the story. We want you to get the point. Start beating your head against the rock of the Word of God. Get the scales off our eyes that we can fly out of here in the rapture. We need to get hot instead of lukewarm thinking that we're going to float by. So he promised now that he would send us a message. Why us? Because the mystery of the Gentile bride. You say, well, I don't get that in the Bible. Read your Bible. The whole mystery of Paul. I'm going to give you a mystery. I'm going to show you a mystery. What is the mystery? The mystery of the Gentile church, the bride. See, the Jew had the promise of the kingdom. We didn't have nothing. We was heathens, pagans. We didn't have no covenant. We didn't have no promise. We didn't have nothing coming. But all of a sudden, Paul comes out and he said, you know what? God blinded the Jews. Now he's going to take the kingdom and give it to you. Well, what do we got to do, Paul, to inherit this promise of the kingdom? You've got to believe and be baptized. 
in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is what? The gift of eternal life in the kingdom of God. Because the gift of the Holy Ghost is to reign with Him for a thousand years in His kingdom. The Holy Ghost is the kingdom of God. So if you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you're going to receive a part in the kingdom of God. If you're going to live for a thousand years, something has to happen to your body or you die of old age. So God is going to do something in your body. Like he did Abraham and Sarah. He didn't just change them back to a young man and woman. If he had, they still wouldn't be able to have a child. He absolutely done something in their body. When he changed them to a young man and a young woman, he done something in their body that they could re- reproduce again. He's doing something in our bodies now. Hallelujah. He's putting a revelation in our bodies now. So when we go back to our youth, we'll already have that ingredient of eternal life to live and reign with him for a thousand years. And that won't be the end of it. We'll just keep on going. So the mystery of God pertaining to the Gentiles and their part in his kingdom, of which the Jews did not believe they would be a part. We had time. You can go back to Acts where Peter preached the gospel to the Gentiles and the rest of the disciples uh, didn't believe it. And he said, well, I preached water baptism. They accepted it and God gave them the Holy Ghost like he did us. So I told them not to eat anything with blood in it, so and so. And Paul took over and he said, so Paul, you take them going this way and we'll go this way. And so they did in AD 70. God scattered Israel and they have, they're up back in their homeland now waiting for their reward. So what we're seeing is now, to end up this mystery, Revelation 10, 1 to 7, we hear us quoted all the time, that in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, that must mean you're in the seventh church age of which is Laodicea. This age had a messenger or a messenger sent from God. He had a message. Revelation 10, 7 said, in the days of the voice of this seventh angel, when he begins to sound forth his message, the mystery of God, and the mystery of God now is this Gentile Bride, this Gentile part of the kingdom of God. The mystery should be finished. In other words, he built this body, his kingdom, through seven portions, seven church ages, and give them a measurement of the word to keep them and sustain them for each age. But in this last one, hallelujah, in this last one, he ends it up. So in this last one, he gives a promise of the rapture. I won't come down. And to this last group that overcomes, I'm going to come down and I'm going to bring a resurrection. And their revelation of the shout will bring them into the voice of the archangel, which is the resurrection. And the trump of God shall sound and both the dead and the living shall meet the Lord in the atmosphere or in another dimension. You say, that sounds too supernatural for me. Then that's what it's going to be like. That's by faith. It's going to be that. You say, well, I can't believe that. Then I'm going to ask you a question this morning. I must be running out of time. If you can't believe that, how can you believe the book of Revelation when it says that in Jerusalem over there, there'll be like a volcano come out, and out of the the earth in the city of Jerusalem, it will split the Mount of Olives in half, and a city will rise, a mountain, 1,500 square miles, will rise like a volcano, 
Keep rising up, rising up, rising up. And that will be the temple of God now set up on earth throughout eternity ages. If you can believe that, you ought to believe that God can absolutely take us out of here and turn around and bring us back. Now, me believing that God's going to bring a 1,500 square mile uh, pyramid out of the center of the earth, starting in Jerusalem, it's going to, the street's going to be transparent gold, and we're going to live therein, and there's kings and everything going to bring their goods into us through the nations, whatever more, figure that out. How do they get there, and who is it? You know. So what I'm looking at now is this. I recognize what age I'm in. I recognize the messenger. I recognize the message that come out over my people. I recognize the mark of the beast, which is an organized religion. I recognize that. I've heard that. I've come out. I've accepted the gospel of the kingdom. I'm looking now, and I've got a confession that I'm going to be a part of it. That I am a believer. That I am the righteousness of God. I have been identified with the Lord, Jesus Christ, in water baptism. I am a part of His kingdom. By faith, I will be there. All right, now then. Therefore, being a part of the mystery. Now then, to be a part of this kingdom, we have a test. Finally got to the text. We have a test that we got to pass. Like every group passed a test, we have a test, but we have the greatest reward. And that reward is found in Revelation chapter 3, verse 21. It brings us right back to our thought once again to the throne. And what does it say? To him that overcometh. Now to him. Speaking to the individual. Not the church group. Each individual. You won't overcome with your family. You won't overcome. Just being a part of a group. Well I'm in the message. I'm overcome. No. You as an individual. You will and must have a revelation. Personally yourself. Are you following now? So he's not trusting mama having it or the preacher having it or brother Gregor having it. Do you have the revelation? You must have a revelation of the rapture, the message of this hour, and you are a part of it because you see yourself in the Bible, in the scripture, being manifested in flesh as the believer of this hour. All right. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Now, this was given to John 2,000 years ago, but here Jesus states that he's sitting with the Father in his throne at this time. So at this present time, in the seventh age, Jesus said he would be sitting on the Father's throne. Now, the question is, when did he take the Father's throne? How long has he been sitting there? And then where is the Father that was on the throne? Now you're getting down to where they all want to squabble. When this was written to the Laodicean age, when the seventh messenger was signing forth his message, Jesus said right here, I overcome and am now set down with my father in his throne. He is on the throne of God according to Jesus' own word right here. All right, now then. We've looked at the conditions. Brother Bram said he wanted to preach three. Number one, what condition the church will have to be in for the rapture. That's what we're looking at this morning in the last two or three messages. What will take place just before the rapture takes place? And how will it take place? All of this pertains now to what we're calling 
this revelation, this test to overcome. One of the conditions or what will take place before the rapture is that you and I must overcome something. Because the seventh angel said, He that hath an ear, let him listen. Let him be taught. Let the spirit of wisdom and revelation get a hold of his heart. Let the spirit transform him by the renewing of his mind. Don't get so fixed in your ideas that you can't hear the word of God. Let the Holy Spirit correct your thinking. I thought I had it figured out 30 years ago. I found out I didn't understand hardly anything 30 years ago. So first thing we overcome, see that we must be overcomers. What is it that I have to overcome? The simple answer is found in the text. John 3, 14, And unto the angel of the church of Laodicea write, that's to us, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. How many knows that Jesus was the beginning of the creation of God? I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold or hot. Remember, this is after the Pentecostal revival of the 1920s and 30s. This is before or during the time of the first, second, third pull, because we're going to look at when the eagle time comes into this picture. The Holy Ghost comes into the church, fills it with the Holy Ghost. And Brother Brown said that was Acts 1909 where the Holy Ghost fell in Azusa Street. And they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Watch. So then because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. What's in his mouth? The Word of God. All right. So here we see the condition of the church. The church world is prophesied 2,000 years ago. To be in this lukewarm, blind, naked, and they have put Jesus, the Word of God, out of the church. Brother Branham and how overcome used this text right here. I'll grant overcome with me. I'll put it out. He said, "See, I have been put out of the church system. They will not let the Word in to preach to them." So now they have put the messenger, Revelation ten seven. Out of the church. They will not receive the gift of divine healing. Neither will they see the correction of the word. To receive the Holy Ghost himself. Which is the correction of the Godhead in water baptism. You say why is everything based on the Godhead in water baptism. Because that's the first era. That brought in darkness to the church. That kept growing and growing. Until the middle ages. And it basically went all except. And died in the dark ages. All right. So under this condition, we see the church, as I said, through Luther justified. He said, they sanctified through Wesley, born again. Brother Brown said, uh, cleaned up for use. And then under the Pentecost, she was filled with the Holy Ghost. And he said, this is the first age now where the Spirit is said to be in the church. And then we see the eagle time come forth. Now, the eagle time to me is when the Brother Brown said, now watch. We're always looking for this third pull. I mean, remembers. Everybody wants to know about the third pull. Oh, when the third pull, the third pull, the third pull. 
First pull we know, second pull we know, but this third pull, oh, that's the mystery. The third pull is the eagle himself. This is when we make the transition from the man age over to the eagle age or God himself being present as the teacher, the spirit of wisdom and revelation to a called out group of people. We are a very unique, secret group of people with a secret message that will be taken out of here secretly. We will not be a public show. We'll be gone and no one will have a clue that you're missing. And really, they really won't care. It's not going to be this big bang world by here's Jesus. Let's all fly up and meet him. It's not going to be that way. Destruction is coming. The Antichrist takes over for 1260 days. Two prophets come to withstand the Antichrist and smite the nations with a curse that turns down their gospel of Jesus Christ. What a time. What a miserable time to live in. Until they decide they're going to kill them. Get rid of them. The Bible said they'll lay in the streets of Jerusalem for two or three days. And the whole world by television will see them shake themselves and be resurrected. Can you imagine sitting in your home drinking a beer and eating pretzels? And all of a sudden, we're rejoicing and sending gifts because we killed these two prophets that called down judgments. And all of a sudden, they shake themselves. Here you are drinking a beer, eating a pretzel, and you're watching two prophets raise up and begin to send into heaven. I think if you're a Catholic, Methodist, Jew, rabbi, or whatever you are, you ought to be able to say, we missed the rapture. You done missed it. Now remember, the church world has preached that they'll go three and a half years of tribulation before the, the rapture takes place. They don't have a clue. They've already missed the rapture. Tribulation is 1260 days. It's over. Jesus comes in Revelation 19 with his armies, which is you and I. Now then we got fire in our eyes. Psalms 110.1 said we come to smite the heads of the nation, the kings. All the rabbis, all the whatever more, dictators and whatever more, Venezuela, China, China, all of it. We're going to smite the whole nations with the word of God and we'll take everything under our control. Judgment's coming. We're going to be a part of it. So this first age, as we said, when Jesus was here and God incarnated, that was eagle age. And it ends up in the eagle age according to Revelation 4, 7 that we read last week. So now then Jesus outside the church. Karen, you want to come? We'll close. I think it's time. I, I keep missing that 10.30 or 11.30. I run out of time. Notice now the promise to the overcomer of this age. We are promised if we overcome to be able to sit down with Jesus on his throne, either on the right hand or the left hand, as the preeminent predestinated, tested ones of all ages. And that is our reward is the right hand and left hand of Jesus in his kingdom. There's no greater reward that can be given by him as to that seat of authority on his right and left. Brother Branham, you know, is a storyteller and he preeminently types all these beautiful stories. He said, now remember, I'll quote here. He said, James and John the mother of James and John. Bless these mothers' hearts. They want more for their children. 
I feel sorry for these Hollywood actors. They paid $500,000 to get their idiots in college. Can you imagine that? Paying somebody $500,000 to let their kids in college? Why aren't the kids smart enough to get in college? Or they go to another college. Surely you don't have to pay $500,000 to get into college. But to be this elected. Now then they say, oh, they shouldn't send her to prison. It already cost her $500,000. Whatever more. But these mamas trying to get their children this and that whatever more. Okay. This mother wanted James and John to be able to sit down on one side of Jesus in his kingdom. And the other sat on the other side of the kingdom. But Brother Man said, now watch, there's a mother's desire for her sons, but watch. But that place, Jesus said, was predestinated. Now watch, that place, one on his side and left, is predestinated. This position was not in existence at that time. Why? It will be granted to them who it is meant for. What? To one that sat at his right hand, and the other closest to him was yet an overcomer. In other words, that person had not yet come into existence and been tested yet. That's you and I, friends. Look, look what has been promised us in this hour. And, and we don't think that we got enough effort to even go to church and to uh, do anything halfway Christian anymore. So lukewarm, lazy, what a milk toast, what more? We don't, we, we can't stand for nothing. I, I, I appreciate these, uh, these kids out there. Somebody sells them a bill of goods. They, will, they at least will stand out and wave a sign. Where's your testimony of Jesus Christ? Where's the church? You don't see people out standing on the corner having a sign for Jesus. Kanye West. At least wrote an album. He made several million dollars. Jesus is king. At least he got that far. How many of you know, believe that Jesus is king? How many has made him king of your life? How many is setting your minds in order to think right according to the kingdom? Is our system going to be so shocked if we happen to make the kingdom and have a king to tell us what to do? To rule and reign over us with a theocracy? Rule in righteousness? What a drag that's going to be. I won't have my beer. I won't have my TV. I won't have my car. I can't go where I want to and do what I want to. What kind of system is that? Where is my rights? What is what I want to do? Where is that in the picture? It's gone out of the picture. It's over here on the other side, burning and screaming. That's where your rights are. God cast them in the lake of fire on this side of the tribulation. Your rights don't mean nothing. He gave you the right to believe, to give you the position of all positions that's to live and reign on earth in peace under the king of righteousness. Glory to God. What's in our minds? What's in our hearts? What is it going to take to shake us? To come to this reality of who we are in Christ. Let's stand this morning. Would you? I'm running over time. But watch. Brother Bram said there's a trial to come. And there's a predestinated seed waiting out there. It will be given to the ones that it's a promise to. It will be given to there. But the test hasn't come yet. He hasn't overcome yet. Look, church. 
you think that you've overcome a lot of things. You think the preachers in this message years ago we preached legalism. It's a sin to cut your hair. It's a sin to wear this. It was a sin to wear that. Sin to have a TV. Sin, sin, sin. Everything was a sin. Then we understand it was the grace of God. But where's our faith? We have something to overcome. Well, I overcome TV. I overcome cigarettes. I overcome this. Yeah, that's all right. That don't mean that. We have a test that's coming that will test your faith in the Word of God as a Christian. And you and most of us, even me, will give our life, possibly, for the kingdom of God. Brother Branham said there will be preachers that will give their life preaching the message that he is here. I don't hear too many preaching that. So I'll get in that picture right there. We will give our life for this gospel. You say, oh, I thought it was going to be changed. Live or die, we'll come out the same. But are you willing to take a stand for the word of God? Which Jesus is the word, you know that now. Take a stand for the word of God. Believe it. Put it in your mouth. Confess it. Take the reproach from your neighbor, the one you work with, the one you go, even go to church with. Take the reproach. Who cares whether you're called a holy roller or what you're called? As long as you're sincere in your heart, that you're trusting God with all your heart, you're doing the best that you can. That don't mean to be this milk toast, give me whatever more. That means you've got a backbone that will stand up in this hour of total darkness and let your light shine. I believe that Jesus Christ is here. I believe God himself is here. I believe he sent a message. I believe that prophet is coming. That prophet is gone. But the eagle himself is here. And it is eagle time. It's moping time. It's, head to beat our, it's time to beat our head against the rock that we can see. That we can fly above the clouds and above the storms and above all this tribulation that's coming. We'll fly up into a zone that only eagles can reach there. We're not chickens. We've been among chickens so long we think we are chickens a lot of times. Brother Brown told the little story, you're not a chicken. Got around chicken, we begin to peck around like chicken. We go to church like a chicken. Amen. We act like Baptists. We pray like Baptists. We go to church like Baptists. We dress like Baptists. We're not Baptists. Come on. We're born again, Pentecost, feel Holy Ghost, feel believers. We dress like believers. We think like believers. We act like believers. And we testify like believers. We're not ashamed of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Because we're a part of it. I am the anointed one. I am the Messiah. And you are too. So I'm not going to hide my light under a bushel. Are you? Let's sing it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Praise be to God. Well, this little light of mine, well, I'm going to let it shine. Good morning. 
dress like one, I'm going to look like one, and I'm going to confess I am one. Come on. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Come around and shake hands with somebody this morning and say, well, this little light of mine. Thank you for coming this morning. Thank you for being a part of the kingdom of God. Amen. Refresh always in your mind. It's about the kingdom of God. Amen. We are seed of Abraham. And in us is that part, that life. Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. Amen. We see it in the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven which I put a quote in there this morning about future home. Maybe when we get to it, we'll look at a future home later down the, in the message. Kingdoms, nations, bringing their goods in to honor the bride in the bridal chamber, New Jerusalem. 
taken from the tree of life, which is the bride of leaf, Brother Brown said. Taking it back out is a symbolic symbol of peace to the kings that they used to fight. Our children used to kill each other. We said, see, we're peace in the kingdom of God. Peace finally rules and reigns. Who are those kings? Who are those nations? Who populates this supernatural world? We have a glimpse of some, some in there, but we don't understand it fully. But there will be a system here on earth, even in the millennium, where you will have a people, you will have a temple rebuilt in Jerusalem, because Chronicles and Samuel said that he would build God a house, that Jesus would. So he's going to build a temple. It will not be an animal sacrifice like the Jewish people teach, but it will be a temple and will enter in and honor him through a thousand years and rule in a king of righteousness. And it'd be a wonderful time. Brother Brown said, don't miss it no matter what you do. Just don't miss the rapture. Amen. And that's what sits before us. Any time the father can say, it's done. The last one is in. I'm ready for the resurrection. And he calls them out of the grave. Appears to the living group. Changes our body. And we're gone. Two prophets come down, begin to smite the earth with basically plagues and judgments and all those things. We can get into the vows and what more is under the wrath of God, which we will get to in a few weeks. Looking at the wrath of the Lamb, the wrath of God, and the sixth seal. See how close we are and the conditions that exist to bring it to pass. Amen. Under the fourth seal, we rapture under the fourth seal. That's what we're under now. Amen? Amen. So we look at all those things in the book of Revelation and see that we are a part of it. We need to recognize who we are, what we are, our promise. And our promise today, if we overcome the squeeze, if we overcome the test of the word by the message delivered by Malachi 4, our promise is to sit down on the right hand and the left hand of Jesus in his kingdom and reign with him in that position for a thousand years. No greater honor, no greater prize, no greater reward than you can receive than that. And even then we will be absolutely, Jesus said, I'll testify before the Father of what we've done in our position, that we can rule and reign in the city with him for another, another throughout eternity, really. But we'll have a place of honor all the way out into eternity. So there's nothing that you can do, no prize, no, nothing that your mind should be on outside of missing this great promise and reward of the kingdom of God. God bless you. See you next Sunday morning, if the Lord permits.